This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, a Dade Brigade podcast and your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. Uh, we've got a, uh, a very exciting show following a very exciting game, although it's not a game that left us all happy. We'll talk a, a lot more about that uh, regarding the Miami FC, plus even more NASL content uh, to get into. But uh, let's uh, introduce our co-host for today. Uh, let's start uh, with uh, my my good friend Drew Hausman. Drew, how you doing this evening? I'm doing good. Uh, I survived the game. That's all I'll say. Uh, that's more than some members of Day Brigade can say. <laughs> we'll maybe go into that later. Uh, next up, of course, uh, Omar Mubayed, the newly engaged Omar Mubayed. Congratulations, Omar, and welcome. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Wasn't at the game. I feel like I got life's version of three points. <laughs> uh, so... Uh- Things are good. Things are good. And, and I'm going to steal the thunder from you here. Uh, everybody's favorite Welshman is back. He's the man that bookies love to fear. Lee Eifen's giving me great betting advice today. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for joining us. It's an us. absolute pleasure to be back, boys. And Omar, it's a pleasure to give you the betting tips for you to be able to pay off your fines to the Day Brigade for various, for various <laughs> things that you did or didn't do. I'm, I'm pretty sure the corona was enough. Uh, we'll talk about know. that again. Lee is a benevolent dictator. He will assign the fines, but he does give you ways to pay them off. That's um, how democracy works. Absolutely. So uh, let's dive in. Uh, let's talk about uh, what happened Friday night because I feel like sometimes we come in and, and we say, hey, you know what? Uh, not a lot of talked about, not a lot of meat on this bone. Uh, you can't say that about this game. Uh, this is quite the opposite, and, and I, I do want to – uh, you know, leading up to the game, I, I, I rarely feel like I rarely pat myself on the back. I will pat myself on the back on this one. Uh, I predicted a, 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 a bit of a shootout because both teams had an incentive uh, to chase the points here, even though it didn't really wind up that way. They wound up tied 2-2. Uh, Miami FC goals from Chavez and Poku, two within 21 minutes, and a lot of scoring opportunities even before the goals started going in. But then, of course, we know Tampa Bay strikes back ties uh, in the 67th minute off a goal from Guerra. We wind up with a 2-2 draw. Uh, let's start with our uh, our guest for today, even though it's his second time, so he's, he's a regular now. But Lee, what did you take away from that game? I mean, it's very much a cliche, but, f- but it was a game of two halves, wasn't it? I mean, we were outstanding um, for the opening part of the game. I mean, we've all seen uh, Chavez's goal and anything that I can let's say about it now is a footnote. And, and we were tuning it up and we were flying. And, you know, I just think that we haven't really been in that position at home. And maybe there was a bit of stage fight or something happened. And, you know, it was rabbit in the headlights. And suddenly, we, you know, before we knew it, it's 2-2. And, uh, and we're only taking one point from the game. Great entertainment, but frustrating if you're a Miami FC fan. Omar, what did you see? Watch this game mobily. Uh, so I had the ESPN3 feed on a small iPhone. And and just to piggyback on what Lee said, yeah, absolutely. It's a game of two halves, uh, what happened on Friday night. Um, 
Miami FC came off looking like the team that was desperate to make the playoffs. And once halftime came around, all of a sudden, it looks like Tampa Bay maybe got the same pep talk that Miami FC got uh, before the game started. And it, it's very interesting. It was kind of like a weird game of two halves. And, and we were complaining the last couple of podcasts about not having goals in the brigade end. And guess what? The brigade end got two goals. And one of them, you know, world-class quality. Like uh, like Lee said, anything that we say more to this is just going to be a deterrent to the goal. So we'll just say, look, we'll show you the goal. We'll send you the link to the goal. You watch it on your own. You come up with your own adjectives to describe uh, that just filthy, <laughs> filthy, filthy goal. Um, and and kind of go from there. You know, we can sit here and, and beat a dead horse regarding the home draws and, and where we need to be and what we expected. Um, but you kind of almost kind of sit here and say, okay, you know what? You drew against Tampa on the road, and now you drew against them at home. So, you know, these are two evenly matched teams, and I guess the better question is, when you look at the roster composition, should these teams actually be evenly matched? Uh, To go off that, I mean, (laughs) sadly enough, we've never beaten Tampa, nor have they beaten us. Uh, We drew them in the spring season, and then a couple weeks ago, we drew them away and then draw them at home again, which was kind of kind of crappy. Um, that, that game was intense. I mean, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll switch it up from the two halves and say it was a, a game of one-thirds in our favor. <laughs> uh, the, the first 20 minutes was fairly ridiculous. I think we had like six shots on goal, including the, the Chavez goal and the Poku goal. But outside of that, there was a couple other opportunities from both Chavez and Poku. Um, in total, Miami had 12 shots uh, by the end of the game, and Tampa had 17. So it just kind of shows you how the, the possession switched over after that first 20 minutes. Yeah, it's uh, – this game was really kind of, I feel, a real uh, – just a real disappointment. And it, here's the thing. Scoring two goals is one thing, but the manner in which they were scored – and the way in which the team was playing in the first 25 minutes was uh, kind of a rare quality we've seen from this team throughout the year. Just kind of vicious in attack. You could see, you know, we, we've we've lamented, you know, sometimes the offensive identity for this team has been questionable. You saw it. You saw them come out with a purpose and with an identity uh, on Friday nights. You know, they were using really tight, compact passing, trying to get, you know, one-touch passes going towards the goal. It was a philosophy. It was a philosophy on display, and it worked. And, you know, obviously the, 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 the goal that we've all been referring to from Chavez, that wasn't the score in that manner. It was kind of a, a bolt of lightning striking twice in the same place almost between the long ball crossed in and the, the, the spectacular finish. Again, we've all been kind of hinting about it, but the, the way I kind of describe it is there are goals that are as good. But I don't think you can argue there's any goal that is demonstrably better than that quality. It was fantastic. I mean, you saw the reaction from the internet, from SportsCenter. Uh, you know, it was it was jarring. And to see it live was jarring. Um, and, and to have such an exciting 25 minutes of play wind up with a 2-2 draw. You had such, you know, electricity for 25 minutes and then... You know, it's not like they went away. There, it would, you know, there was still intent, and there was still, you know, you you could see the team was still trying, but it looked like just 
you know, a, a wrench got thrown in the gears or whatever, and it just wasn't pushing through. And and the 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 goals that were given up were, you know, I guess deserved because Miami FC really took the 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 gas, you know, took the, their foot off the gas. But it just seems like a, a huge missed opportunity. And anytime you drop points at home, there's an element of missed opportunity. But God, this just feels like such just sucking the any air out of the 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 balloon that kind of represents this season. And I wasn't there at the game, but I'm curious because I know that Lee and Drew were. Um, I think when looking at the stat sheet and looking at kind of the important notes of the game, Johnny Steele getting pulled out of the game in the 70th minute. What was Johnny Steele's overall performance like that game? Because that's not usually a guy that you see get subbed off uh, early or at all. So what what kind of was the the interaction there? What what was going on that you guys may have seen that that maybe merited, or or is that just a, a mistake where, you know, the coach the gaffer wanted to put a different body in? Um, if if I can jump in on that one, I think you know when I first saw the substitution, it did raise an eyebrow, but then when you look at the player who's coming in, which is Calvin Resende, he's a very different type of player to Johnny Steele. Now, with Johnny Steele, you know what you're going to get in midfield. You know, he's, he's going to get stuck in, but he's not going to be bombing up and down on the wings. You know, uh, Calvin likes to go out, find space on the wings. We've seen him put on a great goal once before. So I kind of think that maybe the thinking was Calvin's a bigger threat in the final third, you know. And I think that's what the, what the thinking was from Nesta. Was it a gamble that was worth taking at that point? I'm not so sure. Was there better options on the bench? Possibly. But uh, it, it was a substitution with some merit behind it, but I don't think it came off. Yeah, because I'm looking at the substitute list, and, and Drew, I noticed that you know Ariel Martinez didn't get in, and this is another game where we see... you know Again, we can talk about the, the, the way the game was breaking down and maybe why he didn't merit playing time, but it's another game where you know you're chasing three points, and you've seen now... After you've made your first and second substitutions, you know, the game is knotted up. Why not bring in a guy like Ariel who's been proven to be a more dynamic, uh, you know, goal scorer? And he can definitely is a prolific person within that final third. Yeah, I mean, that, that the game was kind of strange, too, because the, the bench was a fairly new bench roster than we've seen before. I, I think, uh, uh, frick, I can't pronounce his name. It's Al- Altadon. I'll go with that. Um, but at the, at the same time, too, uh, and then shortly after, there was the, the Ranella substitution. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, this is this is all going to feed into the, the... I feel like this is all going to lead with the, the Nesta scenario, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank, thank, wow, thanks, Drew. Thanks for outing me. Um, you know uh, what? Uh, we're, la- you know, it, we're, we're throwing it, up the softball. It, well, la- last week we, we talked about it for pretty much just a straight hour. So, <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, if you're going to bring it up now, I mean, I, I don't want to get I don't want to get bogged down in it. I think that he's a rookie coach, and at times it has showed, and he could benefit from an experienced head behind him, uh, beside him, and I'll leave it at that. Well put. Yeah, I think we uh, we kind of heard a lot of what uh, uh, Lee thought last week as I was kind of reading from him. Yeah, I think everyone episode. heard it. Yeah, because <laughs> it was really well put. And, and you know, we are familiar with Lee's kind of snap reactions 
at this point uh, over the last couple of weeks, and deservedly so. I'm not. I don't mean to kind of paint right. Lee as a firebrand. He he has a very clear point of view, and it's well articulated. And that's why I wanted to read it last week. And it did kind of. Yeah, we have some hotheads in Brigade. Lee is not one of them. Sorry, continue. I, I fully agree. Um, yeah. So uh, coming back to this game again. And it seems like a funny thing to say with, like, three games left in the season. I am encouraged, and I was encouraged by the fact that <laughs> coming in, coming out, again, as I said a couple of moments ago, there was a coherent offensive plan. And I feel like that has been lacking. And then it just kind oh. of wilted. And and it, it goes back to a larger point and something we've talked about before. The idea of how this team plays at home. That's a problem. And to give up a two-goal lead at home. And, you know, the crowd on Friday night was not one of these 10,000-seaters. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't enormous, but it was loud. It was a good crowd, I thought, especially for the number it was. And again, it's it's above average for NASL this year, above average for our total season. It was uh, 5,200, I believe. Uh, but I thought it was a good crowd. I don't think there was, you know, there. I didn't think it was a matter of kind of the crowd not getting behind the team. They were up two nil, and they saw one of the best, probably the best goal most of the people in that crowd had seen live in their life. They were into it, and and I, I I'm I'm concerned by the team's home performance, and ultimately that is what will do them in. If Miami FC can't get back in that fourth spot and can't make the playoffs, that is what's going to do them in. Yeah, if no one else is going to jump in, I don't want to make it uh, the, the guest's podcast. But there was one thing... <laughs> the Lee Eifert Show. There's one thing that uh, interested me after the game, which was that Johnny Borajo came out on Twitter, I think, and he had a real go at, uh, at the pitch at the field. Now, um, I, I had the privilege of going onto the pitch to play knockerball, a.k.a. Blub, uh, bubble football. <laughs> and no, no, I'm going somewhere with this, trust me. Um, uh, two or three weeks ago. And I've got to say, when I got on that field you like you just nudge the ball and it goes flying off it's so quick and I wonder if it is really hard to pay any sort of passing game on it and maybe it speaks volumes that Chavez's goal which I might add was so good I would have been happy to score it myself was kind of a route one goal because Blake Smith puts the ball in like you know from the left but he puts it in in the air and it doesn't hit the ground Chavez volleys it straight in and um, I wonder if that, you know, if the players are a bit frustrated with the, the field they're playing on. And, you know, maybe it's as simple as that. I think the bigger issue at hand is the following. Uh, Miami FC practices at St. Thomas, Thomas University up in northern, northern Miami, Florida. Um, St. Thomas University doesn't have turf fields for Miami FC to practice on. They practice on grass. So as you can imagine, even your average cut, of grass is better than the turf that we've seen. And we've talked about it. Other podcasts have rambled before about the quality of our turf and this and that. And and, and yes, is it a problem? Yes, it, it is definitely a problem. However, we've seen and we've talked about it previously, especially in the early episodes of the podcast, that MLS, you know, which I guess if you guys want to call them the standard bearer of North American soccer, uh, they have worse, they have pretty bad quality turf pitches in their games. Uh, two that come to mind right away are New England and Seattle's previous environment where in Seattle you were playing on carpet with, uh, you know, shredded rubber tires on it, basically. If I can hop in here and kind of kind of deal with that particular issue, um, while I understand, like, it is a huge culture, not a culture shock, but like a, a situational shock to go from a 
grass field to a turf field. However, the other team is dealing with it too, and the other team is dealing with it twice a year at most. This team has gotten... No team in the league has more experience with our field than our team. So whatever the disadvantage would be, if it does exist, and I'm willing to concede that it does, because it seems like a real pain in the ass to play on that kind of surface, and you can see it from the stands. And, and Lee, again, you have first-hand experience. But seeing it from the stands, just seeing the way the ball runs on those long through balls, and just it doesn't stop. It looks like it's just going to keep rolling out to the fairgrounds. Um, It is a difficult situation However, considering it is literally an even playing field for both teams, and Miami FC has played on this turf more, even though they may not get the, the, that practice in during practice during the week, you would assume that that would be something they would adapt to. I, I feel that it was perfectly fine to basically go in on this turf and, come, and bitch about it, for lack of a better term. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that's excuse-making. I do think it is something worth bringing up. And again, the team knows this, and FIU knows this, because they're planning on getting a grass field. They are getting a grass field in the offseason. Yay! Yay! Huzzah! Um, but, yeah... So, it, it, so buy your 2017 season tickets now. Yes, yeah. Get a, a patch of real grass. Send it comes with office. a little square yes. of the old field. <laughs> yes. You buy the season oh. ticket, you get a little bit of the old. I'm yeah. in for that. Yeah. Listen, if we buy enough season tickets, maybe we can send them to Rio. They don't have to lose their team. No, anyway, but listen, guys, I mean, this is the important part, right, when we're talking about the turf. And I think, Matt, you kind of deflated my argument a little bit because I was going to go again with they don't practice on this kind of field. So it does, you know, even if they play on it, let's say once every other week, uh, there's a big difference between what you practice on four or five times a week during training and then what you practice on or what you play on during a game. But the ball's always going to react differently. You don't really know what to expect. Uh, you're kind of your first touch has to be a controlled one. It can't be necessarily as aggressive as you would want it to be. But I think, look, Barajo's played in the United States for a long period of time. Barajo knows the kind of fields, and he knows you know kind of the ins and outs of the way turf works for the most part. If I had heard this comment from Vincenzo Renera, or if I had heard this comment from uh, you know, Darius Fitnovich, or if I had heard it from, you know, any of the players who have international experience that haven't made, you know, their career body of work in the United States, fine, I'd understand it. But come on, Barajo, man, you're the captain of this team. Yeah, it's, it kind of sounds like a cop-out, you know, and it really does. No, I, I, t- I tell you what, just to jump in quickly, just before, you know, we move off this, I really respected him for coming out and saying it because... I think we've been too, like, nice and PR-friendly. So I think for them to care enough to, like, call something out is a positive thing. But look, lads, I've played soccer on every surface known to man. Ice, snow, mud, concrete. And that field is like playing on the surface of the moon. And I think that... (laughs) No, it really is. And I think that when other teams come in, because of the way the games work when we're at home, we get a lot of possession... And, you know, and, and the team is, uh, they're kind of soaking up the pressure and playing on the break and nicking a goal. And I think that, you know, maybe that's the way to play on the field. Maybe it does simply just benefit the teams that are visiting because of the way the games go. And, and I think that's, that, that could be it. Yeah, I guess I kind of fall in like a weird middle space where I agree with everything Brahu says, like kind of up and down, left and right. But at the same time, I would just imagine that even though, again, your practice opportunities may be limited, you should be able to deal with it better. And, and maybe I'm asking for too much. I don't know. But um, so 
I, I think across the board we can all agree that the pitch is bad. Oh, it's the, uh, the voice of reason. Show the voice of, of reason. Show, sh- yeah, show of voices. The pitch is horrendous, right? Let's not let's not sugarcoat it. But at the same time, at the same time, there is something to be said for. Look, this is what you have around the league. We've seen issues that are better and worse. You know, are we maybe in the bottom five of pitches? Listen, man, I'm going to bite the bullet here and say yes. Yeah, we're in the bottom are. one, mate. <laughs> but at the same time, it, it, listen, it could be worse. You could not True. have a field to play on. Or you and, do- our, and our stadium seats over uh, 10,000 oh. or over 7,000. So, Or you could uh, have one of your uh, managing partners steal half your field. Ah, that's always a possibility. This, 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 this is so easy. It's a low hanging fruit. You could have your back. university uh, deny you access to play there for playoff games. New York Cosmos. New York Cosmos. Sup, Cosmos? Sup, Cosmos country? We're just, no more Hofstra. We're just salty. <laughs> How's we're it just hanging? salty. That's all this yeah. is. It's got, um, it's got real bitter real quick. I, hey, your boy Diego Restrepo didn't get in the game, Drew. Oh yeah, I, I don't know what's up with that, man. I, I I think he just feared feared us on the brigade end. Definitely. Like, hey, coach, can't play today. Yeah, can't play today. Brigade's back there. They taunted me too much when I was in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> just let me get a pass, <laughs> please. You know I. And what about a uh, what about your boy PC also did not make the uh, did not get in the game either. Yes, Actually, no, oh, sorry, yeah, got PC. in the game, but did yeah, you get a photo with him? Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Card. Yeah, in the no, traditional yeah. PC fashion. That must have been a small screen you're watching on. If you can see PC's like childish grin on it. <laughs> I have two observations about Tampa Bay's roster, and one of them is kind of serious. One of them is kind of lighthearted. Um, uh, you know, looking over the roster again, I I, I admit this regularly because I think it's it's good <clears> to be honest to our fans uh, and to our listeners, limited though may they may be. Um, I'm not an expert in NASL. Uh, I'm not an expert in soccer. I'm a fan who I feel is pretty well informed, but I try to become a little bit more informed from what I know about the league. Looking at Tampa Bay's roster, I feel like in pay- perhaps this is like me uh, with a bias of like. Remembering the league from three years ago, kind of because I, I faded away from NASL last season. But I feel like Tampa Bay has a very solid nasl roster in terms of looking at the types of players they have and, and the, the players that maybe have some experience bringing PC in from the Strikers. You know, Darnell King's a familiar name. Um, uh, Restrepo uh, off, the, off the bench. I feel like that's a, a club that kind of understands. And I mean, it, it, it makes sense considering they've been in the NASL kind of since the jump of, of the rebirth, um, it, it seems like the construction there, again, it's not the Cosmos, but it, it seems to be kind of a very solid NASLE roster. And, and I'm kind of damning with faint, faint praise too, but in terms of what we talked about, I believe, last week, the idea of building a team for this league, I, I feel like they have an interesting roster. The second thing is I am fascinated by the jersey numbers that some of their players have. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> between PC with a 94... Um, you uh, saw, oh God, I, I, I'm hallucinating or maybe I'm like a 10 year old or like a 13 year old. I would have swore I saw a guy with 69 on the back of his Jersey <laughs> out there the other day. No, that was Joe Cole with 26. Yes, Joe Cole with 26. You've got a couple guys in the thirties. It was just, it was very, it was very strange. It was like playing a reserve side. Um, except that wasn't the reserves. It was a real team. So those are my two observations. Huh. They're just honest about their skill level. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unused substitutes. Come on. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, the game was kind of a, a, a kick in the shorts. Um, uh, kind of a bummer. Um, you know, you can't get, I guess you can't get too down about a draw, but you do feel like now the team heads into its next games, its final games here. Road against Armada, road against Cosmos, home against Edmonton, and they've got to figure out a way to squeeze nine out of nine. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong here. I haven't done the full permutations of everyone that, you know, is shooting for the fourth position, but, I mean, we're currently in eighth in the combined standings, and we need to get to fourth, and that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, listen, it's looking... Go ahead, Drew. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, we've been promoting this, like, playoff push and everything, but... Realistically, we've only won one out of our last five games with uh, two draws coming in there. The advantage is the the teams that we play. So we play Jacksonville, who uh, are not very good, and they're yeah they're statistically eliminated. We did lose to them in the spring season in Jacksonville. We lost to uh, everyone in the spring season, didn't we? Yeah, I, I pretty much. <laughs> yeah. hey, there, there was one person that lost to us, uh, <laughs> but we beat them at home last time. So I, you know. We, we keep going to this hypothetical uh, playoff run that hasn't been doing us very well. But, you know, I, I think we could beat Jacksonville. The other thing is, too, we, we play uh, the Cosmos, who uh, hopefully will rest players. And we play Edmonton, who hopefully will rest players. So our, our playoff hopes, in my mind, just stand off uh, with the, uh, the, the two better of the teams resting people. <laughs> Listen, we are, our playoff hopes from a medical perspective, are on life support. But guess what? When you're on life support, you still have a fighting chance. That being said, uh, basically, if you guys have not had a chance to look at the table yet, um, as Drew said, Miami currently sit eighth in the combined standings. Now, that's kind of a weird little position there, that eighth, because we were fifth not too long ago. But at the same time, you got to keep in mind, we do have a game on hand on practically everybody in the league and everybody but in the 11 who've already clinched the playoff position anyway, so we're not too worried about them. Miami's got 37 points uh, ahead of them. 7th and 6th are the Fort Lauderdale Strikers uh, and Tampa Bay Rowdies. Yeah, both 38 points. Oh, God, brutal. And then you've got Rio OKC sitting at 41 points and Minnesota United also at 41 points. So, that being said, you've got a game in hand. If you can win this game in Jacksonville uh, tomorrow, when, when, we win right, the game. when we win the game in Jacksonville well, tomorrow. I don't know, man. One win in the last five. I'm going to go with if. If we win the game in Jacksonville, you're going to move up to 40 points. You're going to be one point behind Minnesota United for that fourth spot. So now what does that mean? You don't control your own fate. But like Drew said, you've got the Cosmos who've already clinched, and you've got Edmonton who's already clinched. So, you know, are they going to sit back and rest some players? Maybe. Maybe not. But you know what? Now your team knows what it has to do. Are they still going to need help along the way? Most certainly because you don't control your own fate. However, knowing that you have to get three points out of every game is going to change the coaching tactics. Well, it should. And it's going to change the player outlooks. And Well, it should. Uh, Anything minus 110% effort from the team, the remaining three games, is unacceptable. Uh, And I think we... Sorry, I'll let you finish. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm done. Well, I think, I think the thing is, like, I don't have the privilege of, the, of having the results right in front of me, but we must have done three games and beaten already this season. We had a good run at one point, didn't we? Like, I, I, yes, we I did. Really, I passionately believe that we can do this. And, you know, I think that going to Jacksonville is, um, is three points that we can easily get. And like you say, the last two games, because of the teams we're playing, 
I, th- I, I kind of think we can do it, and I think it will be an amazing little journey. I'm very, very, very positive about it. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think anybody disagrees with you. I think we as a fan base and we obviously as as the brigade and, and the podcast group, uh, we you know, you got to go into Jacksonville and beat Jacksonville. Jacksonville has been a struggling side all season. They're currently last in the fall season, and, and there's a reason for that. They're not clicking. They're not meshing well, especially after losing their head coach earlier in the year. Uh, you know, so you got to go beat Jacksonville. But then the problem therein lies that you don't control your own fate, and you've got the Cosmos and Edmonton back-to-back. So, you know, you've got to win all nine points and then hope somewhere along the line uh, Minnesota United happens to lose a game. And, I mean, even technically now, you could say Ryo OKC happens to lose a game. Here's... Omar, who have... Sorry, sorry. Go, who, no, have go got, who, who, who have Minnesota got left to play? Uh, I'm on it. Uh, but, oh, <laughs> yes, so it's, they play Carolina uh, on Saturday. In Carolina. And then they... They play in Carolina on Saturday, and then I believe their last game is against the Cosmos. Woo-hoo. Well, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's it's still, at least it's exciting, and it's the end of the season. Yeah, right, so, and Ryo, yeah. if you want to look at Ryo's scenario, they have the strikers in Fort Lauderdale on Saturday, and at the same time, they have to go and play uh, at, I, I believe it's at Indy. No, I think they're hosting Indy. Uh, on the final game of the season. But you know what? This is weird, and I didn't know this. Maybe, Drew, you, as the, the resident NASL follower, I'm surprised that not every game is on the same day at the same time at the end of the season in the NASL. What the hell is going on with that? I mean, this is the league with the split season, so who, know, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, but even the even Liga MX. We got, we got 7 o'clock the... starts, 7.30 starts, 8 o'clock starts, Saturday starts, Sunday starts. <laughs> I mean, the last the, the last week of the season, we've got Miami FC playing Edmonton at 8 o'clock on Friday. Then you've got Ottawa at 2, Puerto Rico playing at 7.30, Minnesota United playing at 8 on Saturday. So none of these games can kick off at the same time. And, oh, just in case you don't want to watch American football, well, guess what? We have NASL action not only at 4, but at 7 o'clock on Sunday. Well, I mean, this, like, is, come on. this is the league where the Cosmos have made the playoffs, but they don't know where they're playing their playoff games yet. And there's three games left. And they could potentially oh, have the uh, championship or the soccer bowl. That's like, you know, soccer three games bowl. left in the NASL. Three games left in the NFL season. Be like, ah, oh, we're uh, we think the freaking uh, Patriots are going to go to the Super Bowl, but they're not going to play in Foxborough. But we, they're going to play somewhere. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll figure it out. Brutal. Just we'll let well, you know brutal. so we can sell four thousand tickets. Well, well, actually, Drew, I guess the one thing about that is that they can't have the championship game, the Soccer Bowl, at a uh, at a, at a neutral venue because they need at least one half of the fans to show up, right? So if they have, yeah, to, yeah. If they have the soccer ball in Oklahoma, <laughs> like and it's uh, Cosmos and us, like I mean, who's going to go? I mean, I go, but I mean, you're going to yeah. get like 200 people there. So I guess there's some sense in it to play devil's advocate for the good old NASL. Well, I, I actually saw like a, a rumor that they were potentially going to sell the rights if they made the championship because they just didn't have a place to host it. So, like, let's say the championship ends up being uh, Indy 11 and and, uh, and the Cosmos, and the Cosmos have the rights to it, then they just sell it over to the to the uh, Indy. Wow. So I, I heard that was an option, which Whoa. which would be pretty sad, but from a fi- financial aspect, no, I'd like to see how funny? much they sold it for. <laughs> you know it would be funny if Silva got in there and yeah. said, no, Can no, no, we no, no, I'm going to play it in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> 
Do you like bouncy pitches? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to play the service of the moon? Ooh, you make bloody shambles head spin so quick. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think I... Oh, Matt, you're alive? I haven't heard from you in about I'm here, minutes. just checking out NASL So I made him do stuff. some research. That's my fault. Sorry. No, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here's uh, here's ultimately my concern with it. And I try to be the the, the optimist, the, the person that always, you know, it's a million to one, so you're saying there's a chance. That I, I like to be that when it comes to this stuff. I just, the thing that concerns me, it's not even the fact that there are teams sitting on 41 points in fourth and fifth. The thing that concerns me, and it's why I was so downtrodden after the last game, is that Tampa Bay, T- Tampa Bay, and we and and us, our team, have played the same number of games, and they have that additional point, and so it means they're playing for forty-one while we're playing for forty. So we need not only two teams to drop points, we also need Tampa Bay. You know, we're technically still ahead of pace compared to the strikers, and 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 that's great, but you know, it's it's. It gets frustrating, and 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 to mention the schedule, the idea of the Cosmos or Edmonton packing it in. Here's the problem with that to me: the team that has had the best form that isn't already in the playoffs since July first is Miami. The team that you would probably want to try to keep out of the playoffs, if you are New York or Edmonton, is Miami. You wouldn't want to do any other team a favor because. Uh, you know, you would. I'm sorry, scratch that. You would want to do other teams a favor, not Miami, because if they get in the playoffs, you know, yes, they are fourth in the fall season, but you know, they're they're the other likely threat. You know what I mean? And and again, we're talking about a team that has really hurt itself in the last couple of games, but still, over the course of the last few months, you know, there's a reason why we're fourth in the fall season and eighth in the combined standings. Because we were at the bottom of the barrel. We only managed seven points in the spring season. Um, so I don't know if the Cosmos or Edmonton would be inclined to take it easy. Uh, maybe Edmonton because you are closer to the playoffs there. And you would want to get that rest in. But I could see the Cosmos at home uh, really trying to strip the paint off Miami and just kind of bury them dead. Uh, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be the negative guy. But I, I, there are just a lot of things at play here that I don't feel good about. No, listen, and you're absolutely right. I don't see anybody in the league doing us a favor. Like, right, I don't think that, that that's the case. I don't think it's going to happen. However, being on our side of the spectrum, you kind of have to sit here and hope that's the way the game plays out. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the only point of us even sitting here and talking about it because there is a chance. Otherwise, we'd just be sad and looking ahead to next year and seeing what we're, you know, there is absolutely um, an opportunity there, but it is trying to really thread a needle. Right. Oh, that's, so that's it. That. Man, this, <laughs> this, 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 hey, this so, air Now I feel, I feel so down about that. everything now. I try to G you all up. Come on, Whoa. nine points. We can do this. Yes, get in. Fuck them up. Well, and it's like, no. Before uh, no, we, uh... <laughs> no, probably we can't oh, do no. it, can we? Yes, of course we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> Vamos Miami and all that stuff. There we go. That's dale, dale. <laughs> Well, I think before we go ahead and, and talk about uh, tomorrow's game and the festivities around it, um, I think it's really important to note, and I kind of want to ask this question to all of you guys, and being the spring season and what it was, and seeing the march and the charge in this spring, in, sorry, in this fall season campaign, do you find yourself to be 
disappointed that we might be on the outside looking in? Or do you sit back here and say, all right, the fall season was promising. And, and, and you know, again, that's also with the, with the reasoning and the understanding that we don't know what this team will look like uh, come March. Well, right? Omar, it'll be disappointing when it's over, but it ain't over yet. And I guess, you know, I guess that's my point. No, no, no. But I don't mean that it's over. What I'm trying to say, I guess the way I'm looking at it is, do we look back at the season right now where we stand outside looking in? Do we look at it with, well, damn, if the spring season had gone a little bit better? Or do we look at it more like, hey, this was actually a really decent fall season from a team that had no expectations? Well, I would say we'd look back at the, at the, at the fall season. You know, when the, when the season is over, you, you know, for me anyway, you will look back at the good times. We've gone from having no pro soccer in Miami to almost making the NSL playoffs, almost get into the soccer bowl. So, you know, I think, so I think you'll that. look back. At, I, I will look back at the positives. Yeah, the here and there, we could have done better. But, you know, at least, at least we, we almost made it. And we can only then improve for next season. Right. And then the, just kind of the, the disappointing thing was how bad we did in the, the spring. And then the, the fall, we came back. We had a nice streak. But uh, like, like I said earlier, we won one in our last five. We drew two. But uh, none, nonetheless, it was positive. I mean, I, I hate to kick them in the balls while they're down, but uh, we could be a team like the Jacksonville yep. Armada who's still struggling to, to kind of find their identity, uh, s- struggling to win, especially on the road. Um, the, only, the only thing that I'm kind of looking at is maybe the sustainability of uh, the team next year or the, mm-hmm. the players available next year, what kind of – you know, not a lot of this stuff is released to, to the public or to the media with player contracts, but um, we'll stick around next year. But, yeah, and in comparison, you know, we're, we had a good year. Yeah. I, and we're still going. Yes. Still we're going to win that damn soccer we're ball. We're going to win that damn soccer ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, um, I, I would, okay, Dean King. I would largely agree the, with the conclusions here. The big thing that will stick in my mind, and the two big positives, again, I feel like we're doing the season wrap-up, and I feel like it's kind of my fault, so I will keep this brief. And I'll yeah, it is your it. fault, Matt. It Five is. No, fine. It absolutely oh, is. I'm going to blame Omar. Um, <laughs> uh, the big positives. First off, there's a freaking team here, and yes. that's, I mean, that alone, they could have lost every game, and I would have been real pissed at the end of the season, but I still would have been happy that the team's here. Um, and they basically did that in the spring season. I was still pretty happy. Uh, and and especially with the way they've closed out, it has been inspiring. And you can actually start to see, oh, well, that's progress and, and an idea and a way that we can develop. The the things that are negative, I do feel, though, that there are still a couple of, of like, albatrosses hanging around the season that even though it is still a huge net positive, the fact that we're... And again, I know it's not the biggest thing, but I'm, I'm going to nitpick here. But they're big things to me because this is the nature of the NASL. The fact that we're towards the bottom of the Coastal Cup when we were in such a good position for it stinks. The fact that we dumped out in the first game of the Open Cup <laughs> stinks. The fact that we got seven points in the whole spring season when we basically just are kind of clawing and scratching our way. If we could have just gotten ten points in the spring season like a competent team... Uh, that those things do hang in my head. And again, I'm not the, typically the kind of negative guy, but when you see this team as they're playing now, and I, yeah, I know they were 2-2 against Tampa Bay the other day, and that's not fun, but they're a real team, man. Like, they're playing, and they're in it, and they're in the fight. And if it, just to know that those little things are nipping at your heels and holding you back, it, it, it 
I'm not sad. I'm not disappointed. It's just like, ugh, man, damn it. Like it, it's just like, uh, uh, maybe like, yeah, I guess disappointment, but, but it's, it's a, it's a shadow of disappointment on a really huge positive thing. And to see the development, the legitimate development of like fan culture around this team and the fact that there are people turning out to games and people are bringing people to games and I'm seeing people at games that I know that I don't know through the day brigade I just know them from my life and they're coming out to see that to me that's the most important thing from this whole thing this year it's not the wins and the losses or getting to the conference you know getting to the the championship semifinals or whatever host you know hoisting a trophy to me in this first year that doesn't matter it's the fact that this thing is growing and that's to me like super encouraging Wait, you have other friends that aren't us? That's that's not very nice. Bullshit. Well, let's let's. I don't. I don't. I don't approve of this, Matthew. <laughs> they weren't friends. I I want I, 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 I will say, and I qualify them as people I know. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I think it's a funny anecdote. Uh, I am a teacher, in case that has not come up on the podcast before, and I had a number of my students <laughs> crash our tailgate uh, on uh, Friday night. Uh, my former students, I should say. Uh, yeah, Omar, you weren't there for that. Uh, Om- uh, no. Mitchell called out for me really loudly across uh, the field outside of the stadium. And the students, who were all friends, and I had them last year, they're now in high school, uh, heard my name and kind of turned their head. And I, there I am carrying my flags, wearing my uh, self-designed Vincenzo Ranella t-shirt. Ah, Vincenzo Ranella. <laughs> and... I know one of them had been to games before. Uh, one of one of the girls had been to a game before, and it turns out that another one of the girls in the group had also been to games before. But this was the first time that a lot of them had been, and you know they're fifteen, fourteen years old, and and to see them out there again, they're great kids. They, I was happy to have them there. Uh, you know, sometimes you know I love all my students, but sometimes. Certain students are adapted for certain situations better than others. Uh, it was really great to see them. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, to see like these kids from my school all of a sudden at the game, it's like, oh well, hell, this thing is growing. Like people are getting interested in this. It was, it was great. Um, I do want to send a special shout out, and I promise I'll stop talking. Um, I do want to send a special shout shout out to Nick Nunez, uh, Dade Brigade member, and uh, he is someone who survived his twenty first birthday. Uh, with Barely, a, with thanks a, to one of the senior yes. members of the brigade who's sure name nameless. Yes, one of the senior members of the brigade <laughs> who may or may not be on the line right now. Um, yeah, it was it was a really fun time seeing Nick <laughs> finally able <laughs> to drink legally um, and and really relishing it. Uh, that was quite a quite a joyous experience. And uh, we got to keep him at the games, fellas, because he 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 you know left early because of circumstances. And uh, everything went to hell. If you if you actually watch the the Jaime Chavez uh, goal replays on ESPN and Fox Soccer, you can get a good view of Nick stumbling through the stands. <laughs> like he, he, he falls over like two rows, and I I don't know which is better, the Chavez goal or Nick falling on uh, falling around in the stands. I, they complement each other perfectly, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to watch Yeah, that. you can't have one without Again. the other. It really is. It... What a goal! I can't even stand up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so so moving on into, uh, in, into tomorrow night's game or today's game, depending on when you're listening. So guys, as you know, our favorite place to be or you know, our favorite place to watch Miami FC games, uh, when they're not at FIU Stadium, they are at Fritz and Franz Beer House. Fritz and Franz Beer House is conveniently located 
just north of Miracle Mile and 37th Avenue. If you know where the Pollo Tropical is, basically it's a hop, skip, and a jump right behind the Pollo Tropical. Please make sure that you come on out, enjoy the game with us, enjoy the game with uh, Miami FC's front office, who is usually there, uh, maybe some players that didn't make the trip, uh, and, and come say hi. Come say hi to Matt or Drew or myself or Lee even. Maybe even give Nick a, another birthday shot. Mm-hmm. You never know. Uh and, and definitely come say hi. We're going to have merchandise. Anything that's left on sale will be on sale. Uh, this can range from T-shirts to scarves to rally towels, even premium membership packages for next season that we are rolling out soon. So please make sure, again, that you come on out, enjoy the beer, enjoy the food, grab a schnitzel, grab a pretzel. If you don't like German food, there are wings, there are burgers. There's something for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I think most importantly, we're, we're skipping over last game, but... After, I think, about six weeks, we finally have a winner. Yes. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it was it's a gift card wonderful. that didn't want to be given away. Yes. It was because the, it was because the extra prizes that brought everybody out. Yes, it really did attract, uh, attract the entries. And, uh, yeah, let's shout them out. Leonardo Garcia at LeoRocks101 on Twitter came in with the strong guess. Jaime Chavez, 69th minute. That's a nice guess right there. Uh, so, uh, LeoRocks101 wins the uh the soccer locker gift card uh wins right. the Vincenzo Ranella limited edition t-shirt wow uh that's really the 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 prize pig out of this whole collection that's the limited uh, edition item yes so it is literally limited there are five uh five shirts in the world uh i have had people ask about the <laughs> shirt in terms of purchasing it here's what i will say uh the podcast fuck off <laughs> Uh, The the podcast does reserve the right to eventually run out more. However, uh, that's not currently in our plans. We will eventually maybe come up with some other designs that we release on a limited basis for a purchase, but again, not in any immediate plans. Um, We did want to keep this limited uh, to to kind of identify with us. Also, I'm a bad business person, and I can't speak for the rest of the group, but considering you know we're driving the ship, we're not really – savvy business people i guess so maybe in the future that will change speak for yourself <laughs> speak speak for yourself uh what what i did want to say here was absolutely leo and if you can reply to us on twitter and let us know uh how does it feel to have the gift card and know that you're the goal that you called out ended up being probably the goal of the season in goal the, of the century yeah he definitely earned it to 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 win on that goal uh that just is like really like kind of Ninth again to cross sports references, but like a ninth inning grand slam walk off. Like if you're gonna win on a goal, that's the goal. You're not big, Bobby. What's that? What's that? Basketball is it or something? Ooh, yeah. Sorry, you'll man. have to explain that that's, to me. That's later. rounders. That's explain rounders. that to me. Later. Sport called diamond bags. Oh, okay. Diamond bags. Diamond it's like bags. cricket. Yes. Oh, it's the one that's like rounders. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Yes, it's like when you're. I can't even come up with a good cricket reference. I don't know. It's like when you hit the stick with the ball. If you want cricket references, go up the 95 to Fort Lauderdale Strikers. They'll tell you everything you need to know. Yes, Long Con, we got you. Built up everything. The whole reason for this whole giveaway was to set up that joke, Strikers. You got got. The whole podcast. The whole podcast. (laughs) Not even a subtle burn. Not even a subtle burn. Shut it down. Thanks, everyone. Um, 14 episodes, and that paid off. Yes. So, uh, (laughs) yes, we have that game. We have the Jacksonville game uh, now in less than 24 hours. Um, I did want to discuss two uh, NASL, American soccer, Miami soccer-related stories before we get out of here. 
Uh, one that we kind of talked about before the podcast started. One that actually uh, just came out uh, a couple hours ago. I was not aware of. Maybe you guys were. Uh, let's start with the NASL-specific story, and that's uh, coming from Neil Morris, uh, who's a soccer writer for WRAL in Raleigh, uh, familiar with the uh, the Carolina team. Um, he tweeted earlier today, uh, per his sources, and again, this is one reporter, it's not confirmed anything, but um, I, I want to read from him and then just kind of bat this up in the air a little bit. We'll have more time to talk about it after the season. But per multiple sources, NASL official, that's the official account of NASL, readying for 19-2017, minus Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Ottawa, and Rio OKC, plus San Francisco. 16-game spring season and a 16-game fall season. Uh, Bob Williams, uh, who's another uh, reporter who's covered the NASL a bit, uh, mentioned that the strikers' ownership situation is also something that's uh, maybe less than stable. Uh, so there are a lot of moving parts with this league. And I'm going to send it around really quick and then we'll move on because I, I don't want to bog us, us down in 20 minutes to talk about this. But uh, what do you think about this? Let's start with, I think, the guy who probably is most familiar with this league, Drew. What do you, what do you see? Well... I don't know who his sources are. I mean, that that could just be Reddit posters. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, I, realistically, I, you know, obviously Minnesota's leaving because they're going MLS, whatever. Um, Ottawa could leave. Tampa wants to go USL. I think Rio will stay in the league. I don't, I don't think you invest that kind of money and put that kind of effort into a team just to have it disband. I feel like in the offseason they can find another investor. Um also, kind of the thing that tips his hand is where he's saying it's going to be a split, an even split 16-16 season. Um, if you know the MLS, you know they aren't that – sorry, NASL, you know they aren't that organized, and they probably have no clue <laughs> what the schedule of next season will be. No, I, and like, I know it sounds terrible, but that's kind of the tip-off where I'm like, dude, they don't start planning this shit till another, like, four months from now. So, uh, <laughs> you know – like uh, for for this season, you know, we we were waiting on the schedule for so long, considering there are two expansion teams, and it came out uh, fairly right before the season started. So I I really doubt there's a, a board somewhere in an office with drifting pieces, including Ottawa leaving, and you know, like there, there's some there's some minority report like a digital screen where they're moving teams in and out, you know, creating the the perfect 16 split league. But it's, it's like CSI NASL. <laughs> yeah, CSI. <laughs> so, although our acting is worse, uh, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. I don't want to buy too much into the speculation. I believe at least one. You know, Minnesota is going to leave. Outside of that, another one or two can go. But I don't. I don't think it's going to be a four-team dash. Omar, what do you see? Um, you know, me and Drew talked about this actually a couple weeks ago when you weren't on the thing. Uh, when you weren't on the thing, or the yeah. podcast, not the thing. I've had a couple beers. Uh, no, it, it's funny. We talked about position numbers being like chess clocks. Like, oh, no, got to run the other yeah. one. Oh, no, got to run the other one. Um, and the secret, <laughs> the secret mentioned... NASL headquarters in Sakakas, New yes. Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> the the shadow governor. Jersey, I wonder. shadow NASL. We, we both know. I think we all know, all four of us know, that the NASL hasn't run a schedule matrix yet. They may not even know what a schedule matrix does. Uh, th there is no way to know. Uh, listen, if the schedule is announced at any point within two weeks of the season, you know they did it the night before. Uh, so let's, let's not kid ourselves and think that, you know, the 16-game even-even, um, with regards to teams dropping out, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little more bullish on the story than Drew is. 
Um, and I don't mean bullish as in bullshit. I mean bullish as in I'm kind of buying the trend of what I'm seeing. Um, I, I don't think Ryo OKC leaves. They may move out of Oklahoma City. That might That's just my opinion. I don't have any verified sources. Uh, but maybe move to a more NESL-friendly city uh, than OKC. Um, I think Tampa's going to go. I think Tampa has had uh, a bone to pick with the NASL uh, management for quite some time. Um, I, I see Ottawa moving. Ottawa is the first indicator saying that they did want to leave, uh, you know, in in the event that there is a Canadian Premiership League. So I can see them maybe dropping down and trying to save some money in terms of cost efficiency. But once you look at the the bigger picture and you have to travel all the way out west to Seattle and Vancouver and all of these other S2 places that are MLS affiliates, um, you know, it, it makes you wonder really how much are you saving? Um, but I, the, the biggest key, I think, for us as Miami FC fans is as much as it's nice to kind of, you know, pick at or poke at the strikers every now and then, uh, we don't want them to go. I don't want them to go. I would like to Agreed. see them get stable ownership. I would like to see them remain in the league and I think they're pivotal uh, not necessarily to the success of the league or the success of our team, but I think it's nice to see South Florida soccer have two teams within the market, uh, and that just creates water cooler talk at work, you know? Yeah, I concur mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. Definitely. Lee, what do you think? Uh, I'm no expert on the uh, the politics of U.S. club soccer, but for me, as a pragmatist in real life, it comes down to one fact that we know that Minnesota are going. Anything away from that is purely speculation. It's pure hearsay. We don't know anything right now other than that Minnesota are going and San Francisco are coming in. So, like, you know, again, the season hasn't even ended and people are already planning 2017 and what will and won't happen. We just don't know. The NASL will still be going. It'll still be all right. 10, 12 teams, like, fine, whatever. That'll still be cool. Down to eight teams. That happened in 2011, I think. You know, it's... uh, it, 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 whatever happens will happen and you know if Tampa Bay want to go and you know play all these little teams around the country in front of no one then good luck to them but to me it sounds like a rubbish league and I'd rather be in the NASL there we go <laughs> I I feel like this is our horrible version of uh, promotion relegation instead of uh, yeah. pro-rel it's just yeah. it's just a, it's just a, <laughs> it's, it's just a bank account who's plus and who's negative <laughs> that's a good way to think about it <laughs> We uh, ended the season. With, we ended the season with negative two million dollars. Uh, Shit, USL. Hey <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, that's okay. Put it. But so, what was the second thing? So this, the second oh, thing. Ahead, I, 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 I just to comment on this really quick. I think I would not be surprised if one of that group of Tampa Bay, Ottawa, Rio winds up shaking out. However, I don't think this is the death now. NASL, if anything, has proven to be resilient. Over these last five yes. years, uh, like it, it just you can't you seem it. It always seems to be teetering on the edge of oblivion, and then it kind of pulls itself out of the fire. So, I will believe that this kind of calamitous event happens when it happens, and even if it does, I still see the league surviving. There is still there are still people interested in this league surviving. It is not a situation where you sometimes see, and I, I, I've mentioned this before. I believe I'm a fan of indoor soccer. Uh, in the United States, I'm a fan of the Baltimore Blast. I grew up in Baltimore. That was the first soccer I really ever watched. Um, and they, I think they've been in four leagues in five years. 
because indoor soccer in America should be much larger, but it's not because the people in charge of running it are incompetent. And I know we sometimes question about the, the status of the NASL. It's not that. It's run a lot better than that. Again, we can complain about Bill Peterson, decisions made by the league. It's not run that poorly. And uh, I don't think we're, we're facing this kind of situation where teams are just going to bounce and bounce and bounce. Uh, I think we're, we're seeing positive growth in the second div- in division of American uh-huh. soccer, and I think eventually that will benefit everyone. We see have seen a lot of growth from USL. I think NASL is going to see some of that too. Uh, the last story I wanted to mention, again, I don't know if there's really a lot to comment about, but I found this very interesting. I just saw this uh, a couple of moments ago. A report by Grant Wall. I'm going to read from uh, this from the Sports Illustrated story. This is on Fox Sports, but it's from Sports Illustrated. Reports from South America last week revealed that Conmebol was interested in staging the Copa Libertadores final in Miami in the future. But I'm told that U.S. soccer Whoa. has communicated to Conmebol that it is not supportive of allowing official games of other confederations to take place in the United States. Uh, that, I was gobsmacked when I first saw that because this seems like, uh, this would seem like a tremendous opportunity for South Florida to be in the soccer spotlight in a way that this type of game could really not be anywhere else. You know, we see sometimes see right. international uh, friendlies or whatever, but you see those succeed in Los Angeles. You see them those succeed uh, throughout the United States. I, I really feel like reading that this is an opportunity wasted. And, and U.S. soccer, I understand the sentiment, but to, to do this to a, a, a city in which – you, you know, the MLS is different than U.S. soccer, and all these things are run differently. But ultimately, their goal is to promote soccer in the United States. And everyone has known that this market has struggled for years because American soccer has its view of how soccer should work. And Miami does things differently, and it seems to view things incompatibly. And the fact that Sunil Galati or whoever is in charge of making these decisions uh, is potentially holding this up, which would be just a tremendous chance it's infuriating it really ticked me off you got to look at it from from the outside perspective of not being miami um Hmm. do i think an event like that would thrive in miami absolutely but i I, listen i get it from the sonil the sonil gulati uh i can't even pronounce the name sonil gulati perspective you don't want a rival confederation coming in and playing a game in really the your main country uh I, i would argue um or your second most important country, and, and playing a, a licensed, federated game um, without some kind of payment or some kind of agreement or some kind of communication with CONCACAF in the first place. Um, we've seen Sanu Galati make a lot of power plays, especially in the last four years throughout the FIFA world. He's done a lot of things that I agree with. He's done a lot of things that I don't agree with. But however, everything he's done has been for the benefit of U.S. soccer. So, look, I look at it from the perspective of this. Is Miami's best interest aligned with U.S. soccer's best interest in this situation? No. Now, if Miami already had an MLS team and you somehow figured out a way to get U.S. soccer involved and maybe schedule a friendly in Miami along with an MLS friendly with the Copa Libertadores champion, and now you get all of the different avenues aligned and together for a match, now we're talking about a mega event, a mega weekend uh, that I could see Very, very good point. Very good point, Omar. And I also think think Conable 
and and CONCACAF had their feathers ruffled with each other after this uh, Copa America centenario. Um, And I I don't think either organization uh, left with better relations than than those which with they came in with. Here's, Here's what I'll say in response to that, Omar. If we were dealing with a different federation, and I'm a supporter of the U.S. Soccer Federation... And its teams, you know, I'm I'm a supporter of their their teams and how they work, and I don't necessarily have an axe to grind against Galati. However, how many times has the federation, for lack of a better term, how many times have they dicked around with scheduling with the national team <laughs> in order to put a game against a Honduras or an El Salvador in a city where they know that they will draw Honduran or El Salvadorian supporters in order to get the attendance up and rake the gate. How? But this is the same shit that we talk about every time the USA plays Mexico and California and U.S. soccer had the ability to put the game somewhere else and they chose not to. It's the same conversation, though. Why is that stand being taken with this? To me, that's so much worse than, than this. That is a competitive fixture involving your team. You're putting your own team at a competitive disadvantage at home. Why would you take this stand against... You, there are fans of, of teams in the Copa Libertadores in Miami. Like, that exists. And they're, these two these two competitions, like, what, the CONCACAF Champions League versus the, the Copa Libertadores, that's the stand you're taking? I don't understand it. <laughs> but that's not the stand I'm taking. you got to look at it from this perspective. If Conmebol came out and said before announcing this kind of decision or this kind of avenue that they would like to pursue, reached out to CONCACAF and said, hey, we'll we'll throw you a couple bucks. Let us have the game in Miami. I am willing to bet a lot of money you don't hear a peep from Sunil Galati about this situation. But if CONMEBOL all of a sudden says, damn, we can not only expand our Copa Libertadores or our version of Champions League in, in, in our continent, but also take revenue in a city and establish and grow our, you know, South American uh, soccer fan base in North America, and we're going to get to do it without having to pay any licensing rights or anything to CONCACAF or U.S. soccer. I would do it too. But if you're CONCACAF and you see all of these things going on, and if you're U.S. soccer and you see all of these things going on, how could you not be upset? Because they're undermining not only your country's pyramid, but they're undermining your uh, continental pyramid and undermining the, the thought process of MLS soccer saying it's not good enough. If you're not willing to even pay me a dime to come in here and play, you know, let's say your equivalent of champions league final. Like what if champions league came in and said, we're going to go ahead and, and play our final in Los Angeles. Then we ought to be on hands and knees saying, yes, <laughs> yeah. like, are you kidding me? Like, like this country is soccer hungry, and whether the Major League Soccer or our national team is satisfying it, there is a real desire for that. And we draw these horrible off-season friendlies draw a hundred thousand people. Our, yeah, but what if it's what if it's not a big club? What if all of a sudden we get Club Bruges versus uh, PSV Eindhoven? And that's a, that's your Champions League final because Atletico, Real, Barcelona, United, all of the Premier League teams didn't make the final. And you have you have Belgium versus uh, the Netherlands in your 
in your Champions League final. And you're going to tell them that we're not paying you any franchising rights. UEFA is coming in and taking all the money, and they're going to be able to take the galore and expand their brand even more so, even more so in your I country. Just, you're just going to say, thank you so much for hosting a game here? Get out of here I with just that, feel man. like that perspective is very 1990s. The idea of being territorial about you know licensee fees or whatever and and obviously with something like this there would have those specifics would need to be ironed out but just the idea that you know like this we have been in this place for nearly 25 years and we're starting to really kind of accelerate out of it i think where you know i remember you know speaking of international soccer you know, I've been a fan of my club for about a decade now, and I remember as of four years ago, it was damn near impossible to see a game. Why? Because there was there was just this refusal to believe that it would succeed, and this kind of like weird territorial protection over how it's supposed to be done. And you see these walls breaking, and you start to see more and more people getting interested in the sport. And I don't think it's a zero-sum game. I think that the more you get people into soccer, the more you get people into American soccer. And something like this would, would to me, be a logical next step. And just the idea of protecting, you know, MLS or whatever the case may be, I just, I don't see it. I, I, I respectfully disagree. I understand your point. I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I just think that the the thought process behind that point is outdated, I guess is what I would say. Well, that makes one of us because I think you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think this would be a topic well suited for like a pod special. Just have a one-off. And and obviously, I know Drew and Lee have been awful quiet. Yeah, let let you two fight about it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if you guys want to join us with that conversation, maybe this is something we can do later in the week or, or next week as the season is unwinding. Uh, and, and have this conversation because I, th- I think it's a healthy conversation to have. I, I agree with you completely. Um, but, yeah, I say maybe we move on from this contentious debate as we're already 65 minutes into the podcast. So uh, moving on, I'll just I'll just ask Lee right now. Bob Bradley. Oh, God, yes, I don't you stole my thunder, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, no. Oh, come wait, 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 wait. I'll tell you what. No, oh, I'm sorry. No, patriotism behind I, it. I, no, I'm sorry. No, you've got to separate the international from the club soccer. I know this is hard sometimes for you know some people to do, but come off it. There's a, a former League <laughs> Two manager in France, like coming in, you know, to to steer the ship. Is he an upgrade on Francesco Guidolin? Absolutely, he is not. Like you know. You bring in these new owners, they've got like fucking war chests and all that sort of thing. And you think, great, dreaming, like he might be manager. Bob freaking Bradley, well, whoop de do. It's like, you know, I mean, will he keep Swansea up? I think he will because, you know, it's, I don't think it, I think there's definitely worse teams than Swansea, no matter who's in charge. Um, and I just, I can't get behind it. I was furious when it happened. I calmed down a little bit and now you brought up all this negative feelings again. And now I want to have a massive. Oh, wait drink of whiskey no 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 this is this thing this is something fair and 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 i'm i'm yes do i like the fact that now as an american born individual that there's an american coach in in the premier league absolutely i i think it's something the american sorry (laughs) but bob bradley at the same time may have been wrong to some people you know he may have not he shouldn't have left the united states national team program when he did 
Uh, and, and we all know the results of that and, and what had happened and led to his demise. So we're not going to get into that. But I, I think Swansea looked like a better side. I'm not saying, oh, it, it's all Rob, it's all Bob Bradley uh, and not the fact that the players woke up to play Arsenal. But, I, you know, I think without Bob Bradley, you're looking at a side that, that maybe doesn't compete very well in that game. And I, look, he's only had a week, so his tactics haven't been put into play completely uh, just yet. But I think there's some promise on that side. You know, are, is this a side that's going to qualify for European soccer? Yes. No, it's not. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> and it happened. Maybe and it has fair done. play. <laughs> well, but I think that's another thing, though. I, I think Bob Bradley is going to be better for this team, and I think that you know, not the point. Um, listen, were the there point. better coaches um, out there? No, 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 yes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's not the point. It's like was that the best that we could go out and get? And it is an emphatic no from me on that point. So what's the point? I, I d- who are you going to go get? I, who are you gonna, who's available? I'm not going to go gonna gonna put gonna names out. Yeah, but is that the best you can do? I, I think they're just trying to set up the uh, MLS All Star Game for next year to make it more dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't wait for Michael Bradley to come on loan for three months in free in January as well. That's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, don't worry, Josie Alton will be right behind. Oh Ugh. no! Ugh. So stay away from that one. Here's what I will say about that. Again, I I do not count myself an expert, so I will not say whether I I think it was a good hire or not. I am happy about it because I think it is good for American soccer. Here is the thing I will say. I hope that this will prove to be an opportunity. I'm I'm rooting for Swansea now. I'm very much rooting for yeah, Swansea. You should success. have been rooting for them before, my boy. <laughs> I, I, Come on, you <laughs> shit, Aaron Ramsey's. <laughs> I, I've I've never had anything against Swansea. I've I've always kind of been fond of because I, I feel like you know having like a really strong connection with a nickname uh, kind of is American-y in the first place. <laughs> the Swansea Swans. Um, True. So, <laughs> uh, but here's what I will say, and and maybe this is me putting on rose-colored glasses about it, but I do think that there is potential for the fact that there is a, 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 a again, maybe I'm introducing kind of American-y viewpoints to this, but a, a, a chance for a, a a market inequality, a chance that Bob Bradley is, was not getting opportunity or not, you know, has not been able to shine on the top stage because of who he is and where he's he from, because he is an American. So perhaps given more resources and a bigger stage, he can succeed. I'm not saying I know that. I'm not even arguing that that is the case. I'm arguing that I hope that is the case, because if he can actually turn this around for Swansea, there he can kind of break this barrier for American coaches, you know, something, you know, just like we've seen with American players, you know, going to Europe has generally not reaped all that much success. And so maybe... Unless you're Christian Pulisic. Well, now yeah, you were starting to see that, that, that kind of cracking, you know, an American starting in a Champions League group stage game is, is a hell of an improvement from what we've seen even three, four, five years ago. Uh, Can I, I, on, sorry, Johnson, one more thing on this. If I could turn this on its head, right? I'm not going to okay. suddenly start supporting the frigging Vancouver Whitecaps just because they've got a Welsh coach, am I? I mean, you need. I think there's this like siege mentality a little bit with soccer Whoa. fans who are American. It's like it doesn't really matter that he's an American coach. It's like it's going to happen when it happens, and you know, it, it's it's just it feels so forced, and it feels like it's been done for the marketing opportunity. It's like, I mean, so you're not going to I... support. LAFC because Will Ferrell's a part owner. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, actually, no. But, I mean, this is the thing, though. 
I, I God, it, it's like I, I understand your argument, right? But I feel like, listen, you've been in this country long enough and you've been on this side of the pond long enough to, to understand the plight of American soccer. Mm-hmm. So obviously we don't need to go into that. But at the same time, I kind of look at it as this. If, if an English coach were going to come and coach an MLS, he'd be revered. Where an American coach, and maybe our best American coach, look, maybe our best American coach is not Bob Bradley. Maybe he's the most notable because of all the time he spent with the USA national team. Maybe it's Bruce Arena. Uh, you know, that that can be debated. But over time, you've seen American coaches try to go into Europe, and they successfully have stints in the second divisions and third divisions across Europe in multiple multiple leagues in multiple countries, but you never see them get in the top flight. There and and is there something to say that okay, are the Spaniards better? Are the Italians better? Are the Englishmen better? You know, are the German coaches better? But possibly they understand the system. They've been ingrained in that system. And for an American to come in, yes, it's going to take some time. But I think there is something to be noted a little bit, like the NFL's Rooney Rule, where maybe American coaches were semi-discriminated in the sense of giving a fair opportunity for these jobs previously. And we're seeing Bob Bradley maybe, you know, it's weird to say Bob Bradley is, is, is being a Jackie Robinson because, you know, I don't want to get into racial <laughs> undertones, etc. But is he is he actually breaking a barrier what? that's going to move forward no. for American coaches? No, he's not. Did you just compare Bill Bradley fucking Jackie Robinson? You know, I will admit, Omar. I'm done. Let's end this podcast. On, I'm throwing I'm myself on the done. grenade with I'm Omar. Done. I considered the analogy earlier, and but backed off. So it did go through my head. <laughs> yeah. Let's edit that part out then. <laughs> trim, trim it. Trim uh, it out. No. No, no. If you don't understand. If, if I'm getting that reaction from you guys, I just let's bleep that whole part out. And let, let people wonder what, what, what it was I was rambling about. So here's, here's what I will say. I, I think uh, processing what, what Lee was saying about this and then kind of putting it to, to how I think about it. Lee, I think basically you're saying we should be better and expect better of ourselves and not no. make such a big well, deal out of well, this? No, well, not that. It's like there's a few eyebrows raised because of the appointment, not because he's an American, but because he's Bob Bradley. Like, I don't, I don't care where he's from. It could be from the moon or from Mars, you know. It could be from the past or the future. But it's just, you know... I get that maybe for you guys it's a big thing. It's like, well, now we have an American coach in the fucking Premier League. Premier League. <laughs> it's like, yes, it's great. And yes, it probably might, like, you know, open doors for other people. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to get excited about. But, I mean, just look at it this way. Isn't this better than just another Premier League retread? Like having Sam Allardyce or, or having Alan Pardew on his seventh job. You know, isn't this trying to break the mold a little bit and maybe a fresh perspective on a game that could save a team season? Well, he's, he's not Brendan Rodgers, is he? He's not Michael Laudrup, is he? These are all coaches we've had in the past when we had less resources, less money. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, of course it's fair enough because I'm right. <laughs> I, I think it's... Yeah, I don't know if we're necessarily arguing for the appointment. I think we're happy it happened and hope it works out. Just because it will, be- I hope it works out for so many reasons as well. I mean, and, and, and I would be happy to be proved wrong. Won't be the first time, won't be the last, and I'll then I'll say, you know, I was wrong. But you know, it's hard to get that excited about for me. Sorry. Well, you know what? You have something to look forward to on Saturday, October twenty second. Swansea does play at home against Watford, a side that has caused uh, some big name clubs trouble. 
recently with Fat with Fat Drake at the helm. So maybe Gilfie can go ahead and have a, a couple goals there and uh, put Fat Drake to bed. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> I think what, whatever so happens I, in that game will be more interesting than what happened in our game on Monday, Omar. What a freaking no, zero zero draw. We're not going to talk about it. We're, we, we both agree, right? Let's just move on. Let's just right. move on. So, uh, because, and, I, and I'm going to go ahead and, and make this my last point of conversation, because, again, we're 75 minutes in, in case you're not <laughs> looking at your little bar at the bottom and you've run out of the gym already and maybe you've turned us off. Uh, listen, I want to give Lee, uh, he has great soccer acumen. Tonight, I was not expecting playing, uh, I was expecting to make a two-team parlay, have a Leicester City win with a draw no bet, uh, modifier and I did have Real Madrid like almost everybody else uh, just solely winning on the money line trying to clear a bonus on gambling and Lee pointed out hey why don't you maybe take Juventus and, and, and see if they can you know go ahead and squeak out a win here and they were playing uh, Olympic Lyonnais so I'm looking at the fixtures for tomorrow's game and, and let's say Lee you had $50 to bet uh, we have the Barcelona Man City game we have Napoli Basictus, Arsenal versus Ludo Goretz uh, you got FC Rostov, a Russian team versus Atletico Madrid, and then we've got a couple other games in Paris: uh, PSG versus Basel, Celtic versus Mönchengladbach, and Bayern Munich versus Eindhoven. Um, if you had to take two teams and throw them in a parlay, and I gave you fifty dollars, uh, what two teams would you take, just off the top of your head here, looking at these matchups? Again, I'm doing it from memory from the games you've just given me, but I, sure. I think I would probably put um, Paris Saint Germain in there. Okay. And um, who are Napoli playing? Napoli is playing uh, the, the Besiktas from Turkey. At home. At home, At correct. Home. Uh, I'm, I'm tempted by that one. I know I, we were talking earlier and I said, you know, I don't bet on away teams in Russia. So, like, uh, uh, Atletico I would leave alone. But definitely Paris and, you know, uh, and, well, Arsenal as well. I think Arsenal got a, Arsenal are at home, right? Arsenal, uh, Drew, are Arsenal at home tomorrow? I do believe so. Uh, I think so. I'm not yeah. 100% sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's yeah, a very easy two teams to put together, but I'd probably go for Arsenal and Paris Saint-Germain. All right, well, there you have it, folks. If you have $50, 50 quid. Don't say that. Stone, no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and you want a two-team party. Oh, take PSG, two-goal favorite. You can take them on a money line for minus 475, and you can go ahead and pair them with Arsenal. Who is a money line minus eight fifty and on the spread with two and a half goal favorite? Lee, you're taking good players there, man. Look at that. You're taking Arsenal at minus two and a half, and you, you picked them again. I didn't give you the spreads. You just took basically the two yeah. most favorite teams for tomorrow's draws. Sorry. Uh, just reading off the names. You, you did fantastic. That's a good job. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, officially, I have to say I don't condone any betting activities, but uh, <laughs> yeah, those two, those, those, those are the two games I'd pick out. It'll help Omar pay off his fines. Yeah, it certainly will. Look, we may have some international yeah, listeners stationed in the UK, and they want to walk down to the William Hill and and and, and drop PSG. some drop some money, uh, you know. But gambling. you could bet on the internet now these days, Matt. I don't know if you knew that. I'm sorry, Lee. I don't believe you can do that legally in the United States. Uh, as far as far as I know, I would never condone. You any, can in New Jersey. I would. Can you bet on <laughs> you do anything in New Jersey? Online in New Jersey? Oh, maybe not sports. Maybe yes. not sports. Yeah, that's always Vegas. Vegas is is as far as I know the only whatever. We're good. We're way in the weeds. Um, okay, yeah. so we've got our... Uh, Spanish Ping Pong Federation. <laughs> we've got the Lee Eisen's gambling, gambling tip of the day. The, the SPF. Uh, we've, got, uh, we've covered the game. We've covered the game coming up. Uh, any other business to attend to, gentlemen? 
Buy season no, tickets for next so. year. Yes, guys. Um, so if you are not part of Day Brigade, what are you waiting for? Um, but if you are not part of Day Brigade and you do want to purchase season tickets for next season, uh, there is an early bird special coming around. You do get the North Sideline. Again, those are general admission tickets. North Sideline, be there early to get the best seats in the house. They are $199 for the whole season. Bargain. Now, remember, we don't know how many games <coughs> are being played, and we also don't know how many teams are in the NASL. <laughs> but again, for $199, you also get a Miami FC jersey. Maybe, hopefully, this time we will have a kit sponsor. You never know. It could be Valsang. It could be uh, Navarro. It could be Sedano's. You never no, know. No, Don't bang even for our Colombian friends. But if, <laughs> but if in the event that we do want to go ahead and, and, and get season tickets, hey, uh, Omar, Omar, I heard, yes. I heard that Don Pan was just behind Bob Bradley for the Swansea manager's job. <laughs> <laughs> if he's showing up with the treats and the cookies and the bread and the cakes, I, I doesn't surprise he, me one bit. He's the Larry um, Doby to the Jackie Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Deep baseball oh, reference. Deep baseball deep reference. Base. Oh my deep, god, deep. that was too weak. So, who's the uh, who's the owner over there at Swansea? Who's the ownership group? What is it? It's, 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 it's Americans now. It's some Americans. I can't okay. know their names. So they're Ricky Branch then, basically. It's what? Branch Ricky. They're going to be Ricky, Ricky Branch then, right? It's gone way over my head. <laughs> and I'm is it Branch Ricky? Oh god, his name was Branch Ricky. Yeah. I thought it was Ricky Branch. No, his name was kind of weird. Oh my god, we are. So far, we are actively oh. driving people away at this point. No. Anyway, I, I just want to say uh, that the season tickets are one ninety nine. If you want to uh, if if you want to wait a week or so, uh, my uh, inside sources tell me that we will have the same deal, if not a very similar deal, to last year of the hundred dollars for the day brigade membership. So. Uh, make sure you pay attention to our Facebook page as we'll be rolling out that information over the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm Drew Houseman for Omar Mubayev. Go, go. <laughs> Matthew uh, Brunch. Please. Matthew no way. Brunch. Oh. Don't forget to subscribe. Matthew Brunch. I want some eggs Benedict, please. Uh, listen, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please make sure you follow us on Twitter at Magic City Soccer. Follow us on Facebook at Day Brigade. Uh, any other in- Instagram? <laughs> yeah, get on the well. Instagram because I make all the uh, videos for Day Brigade and they are awesome. Get on Instagram, find Day Brigade, like the shit out of that. It's probably on Twitter as well. Shameless plug. Go to the Instagrams. Okay, that's it. There's literally nothing else we can talk about because I think we've covered everything. <laughs> if, if you guys want to follow my Tumblr page, it's called Fuck Yeah Bob Brassy. <laughs> <laughs> Unfollow. Unfollow. <laughs> all right, we're done. Yes. No, All right, boys, go. sign off. Goodbye, Lee folks. Eichen, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you, guys. Take care. Vamos, Miami. Thank you very much. Panthers leading 3-2. Minute 20. Let's Drew, do this, for boys. joining us as always. You're welcome. They'll be playing this podcast in Guantanamo <laughs> in a couple of years. <laughs> I'm not This has been Magic City Soccer. Until next time, go Miami <laughs> FC and go Miami <laughs> Soccer. And if you listen this far, God help you. So long, everyone. <laughs> Fools, all of you for listening to this. <laughs>